everybody and welcome once again to the Talking Space Podcast. I am Sawyer Rosenstein and with me is Gene McCulka. Welcome, Gene. Uh, good evening, Sawyer. Gina Hurley, he as well. Good evening to you. Good evening, Sawyer. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. And how are you, Mark Ratterman? Outstanding. Been a wonderful weekend. and It's nice to have some time off, but uh, I'm ready for what we got to talk about and then back to work in a day or so. I say this is the fun work that we get to do here. The tough work is the actual work we have to go back and do. So for now, let's enjoy the little bit of time that we have here just to talk about stuff that we love. All right? I'm with you. Let's do it. All righty. So the first topic is that the space shuttle Atlantis has come back to Earth on November 27th at 9.44 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The space shuttle Atlantis successfully landed on runway 33 at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida, completing STS-129 after traveling 4,490,138 miles, which is the equivalent of 7,226,177 kilometers, in 171 orbits of the Earth in almost 11 days. And I must say, that was a really great mission with three spacewalks. And uh, what do you guys think, especially saying that you got to see the launch of it? Well, the space station is uh, left in a far better, better posture now than it was before Atlantis came out. I mean, they they can pretty much take care of a lot of issues now after, you know, they're looking at the post-shuttle era now, and uh, I think the station's in a better configuration now to deal with any type of problems uh, in a, in a post-shuttle world, so then this way it can take care of some things and continue on uh, performing experiments and doing what it needs to do. I agree. They brought up the supplies, and also... Not only that, but this actually was a very significant mission in the space shuttle program because it was the official last crew exchange ever via space shuttle by bringing back Nicole Stott. Yeah, that was one of those you know little you know misty-eyed moments. It, it's it's a it's a signal for sure that uh, the program is definitely winding down. I mean, we've got about five flights after this, I, I believe. You know, it, it's a significant step to. Uh, the eventual uh, shutdown of the shuttle program. And I think Atlantis only flies one more time. That's correct. Um, Atlantis only has one more mission left in her, unfortunately. And uh, so, yeah, it's it was, uh, you know, it's it's rather a, a sad, sad thing, but it's uh, also a hopeful thing in that we will be looking forward to getting the, the crew exploration vehicle, a.k.a. the Orion, going, and hopefully that will happen in, uh, in uh, double time. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we'll, um, we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed on that one. We'll have to see what uh, what our uh, hired help over at uh, over at the White House has to say about all that. You know, it's interesting. I'm thinking about uh, what they're accomplishing in these last few flights, and it's critical that they get the uh, spares and that they get, uh, of course, you know, on uh, consumable supplies definitely. But I maintain electronics systems, and they're small, and spares can kill you. <laughs> 
in my case, you know, I might wait for a FedEx overnight or two nights or something to to get a system back on the air. And here you could uh, you could not have any resupply for particular large items after the shuttle stops, or it could be a matter of waiting to uh, fit it into a supply vehicle that's going up. And I don't envy the the planners the the chore they have to try and cover you know, historically everything that, that they've seen and, and try and guess what things might we need yet. So, you know, with all the good of Atlantis, it, it still makes me as a as a maintenance guy feel a little uneasy if, if I was uh, looking at that. Now, didn't the Japanese send up a supply ship, a cargo ship a couple weeks, uh, a couple months ago? That's correct. Right. The so, H- that HTV, right. Okay, so what's their plans going forward to continue to supply the space station? As I remember Sawyer commented the night we discussed it, put the I in International Space Station. So do we know what the Japanese have in store for cargo resupply? Um, I do not know what any type of manifests are, I'll be honest with you. It's an interesting question. I would like to go ahead and find that out. Maybe that'll be our, our mission for next week to do that. But uh, to answer your question there, Mark, um, I think they carried up, like, like for instance, one of the, the items they carried up were two new control moment gyros. And I did talk to the gentleman, uh, I think it's uh, L3, that has their hand in designing those things. And they are good for uh, those control moment gyros are supposed to last about 10 years. So in the you know unlikely issue or in the unlikely event that a control moment gyro is going to fail, they've got two spares on board now, courtesy of Atlantis. So, uh, you know, I, I think, again, the station's in a, in, in a good configuration now to c- continue to support its lifetime going forward. Yeah, that definitely helped. And also, I'm not sure about your question either, Gina, although I am going to say... You have much better memory than I do, because I don't even remember saying that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you did. I'm going to trust you on that. <laughs> and Gina, I'm, yeah. I'm, in fact, I'm running that down now to go ahead and try to see if I can find that out. Maybe we can go ahead and fire that out next time. Okay. Alrighty, note to selves made. Any other comments on uh, STS-129 and the penultimate flight of Atlantis? Other than the other than the fact that uh, Mark and I were among the lucky 100 uh, to be down there at uh, at uh, the Cape when when Atlantis went off, and uh, the profound thank you again to NASA for for allowing us to do that, and uh, forever uh, this particular mission is going to have a personal connection for me uh, because of that event and uh, that bird and Atlantis. Whenever I see it, and hopefully I'll be able to see it somewhere wherever it's going to be. Uh, we'll also have a bit of a personal connection now. You know I'm envious as heck of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to make up for it, though, I am going to see STS-130, so... And we expect a full report on that. Yeah, because editing that podcast was probably the most painful thing. Not because of the length, but because it sounded so much fun. It was, and a lot of people, you know, I also have to apologize for the length of that, but also a lot of people were sending me little notes on Twitter basically thanking us for the detail that we did put in because apparently with with all the 100 folks that uh, had gone to see the flight a lot listened and uh, and invoked a lot of good memories from from that week so I was getting you know thank yous up and down all week so again no problem guys because I'm right there with you it was an it was an incredible experience 
which, by the way, if anybody would like the entire episode uncut of that, you can just DM, direct message any one of us on Twitter, or send us an email at spacetweetpodcast at gmail.com. Yay. Alrighty then, I would say we can move on to our next topic. Which actually, you know, the next topic is sort of a, a good lead-in for what we just discussed, if you think about it. Indeed it is, and uh, just so you guys are no longer on the edge of your seat, how about I tell you exactly what that is? <laughs> that is that 81 members of the House of Representatives in the United States, including a lot of Florida representatives, sent a letter to President Obama, and they wanted to basically say that they're joining a campaign called Save America's Space Program Letter Writing Campaign, in which people around the world are actually sending in letters to President Barack Obama, basically saying, we think you should keep supporting NASA and save it. And at this point now, Congress has officially joined in. I'd say that's one giant step for our Congress towards NASA. Yay! Finally, yay! Yeah, this this whole thing stemmed out of a, uh, an article on uh, Florida Today, uh, November 26th, basically saying that Congress has finally jumped in and jumped on board this. One of them was uh, representing Representative uh, Susan Cosmas um, and another one, uh, Bill Posey, a Republican, um, both sent uh, letters to uh, Barack Obama this week. I mean, this past week saying that, hey, you know, we've got to say, and I'm going to quote directly from the article here, quote, we wish to impress upon you the significant and fleeting opportunity we have to ensure that our nation continues its preeminence in human spaceflight, close quote. And it doesn't get any stronger than that. Yeah, it looks like the goal of the Save Space campaign is to have 500,000 letters delivered to the White House. I don't know how close they are. Does anybody know? Yes, from what I'm reading here, they said that they have gotten 500,000 letters in, but at this point, they, honestly, after making phone calls and everything to the White House, they cannot confirm anything. And Frank DiBello, president of Space Florida, the state agency that encourages economic development for space exploration, mm-hmm. he actually had a very interesting quote about that. He said, whether it's 100,000, 500,000, or 1 million, the fact is, it's an outpouring of support for the space program at a time when the White House is deciding how to respond to the task force, the Augustine Commission. So it is significant. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the Augustine Commission had some very interesting things to say. And uh, I guess that uh, all these little organizations are running around saying, hey, you know, let's hold uh, hold the White House's feet to the fire here and make sure that they follow through on campaign promises that they made to continue to support the program. On writing letters, uh, you know, I got to... Uh, plead guilty if if I was charged with have you ever written a letter? Oh, you haven't ever written any letters, have you? And it's uh, it's unfortunate because there's certainly been things in my life that have been you know worth uh, putting my two cents in on, and this is something that I plan to break that uh, Ratterman tradition and fire off some letters. And there's lots of guides for that, so you know I can't say that I don't know how to because I found it you know, dozens or hundreds of thousands that I can refer to. Yeah, exactly. And um, gang, you know, you can go ahead and send emails and all that stuff and make phone calls, but I will be honest with with you, the old-fashioned, go ahead, put it in your printer, you know, print it out, throw it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, put it in the mailbox. That's the most effective way to do it because it shows that, You've really, really taken the time to go ahead and and write 
someone and say, hey, you know, this is important to me. You've actually invested time. You've actually invested money, a.k.a. the stamp. Um, and this this is something that's really, really important. So your legislators, you know, they'll they'll listen to that more. So, you know, again, please you know, write write to these guys and let them know. In addition to just trying to get some budget there for NASA, what I find interesting is that they're trying to elevate Save NASA with other key national objectives like clean energy and the health care bill and really uh, put this, um, you know, saving our space program and keeping us first in space and basically moving that up the food chain is not just sort of a side pet issue for some legislatures, but really giving it some national exposure. So I hope... um, I hope really that's what comes out of it because I think too many people think NASA is such an afterthought and it's really too bad that when they're driving down the street on their cell phone with their polarized sunglasses, they have no idea the space program's responsible for half of the technology they use. Yeah, exactly, Gina. And, you know, the, the problem is, though, the public doesn't really look at it that way. They kind of look at it as more mm-hmm. of a a frivolous thing. In reality, it really is not. It affects everyday life in a lot of ways that a lot of people are not aware of. And uh, I have a feeling if people really, really knew how entrenched NASA was or how entrenched the space program really, really was in their own homes and all that, I think the, the their line of uh, thought would be a little different. Right. Hey, Gene, uh, let, me, let me tell you guys, this seems like a good point to throw this in. Mm-hmm. I looked at a uh, NASA page, and it's nasa.gov slash about and it has just a simple statement that I'd like to elaborate on a small part of. But it says NASA's mission is to pioneer the future in space exploration, scientific discovery, and aeronautics research. Now, here I work for the FAA, and I was surprised in the last two years to find some uh, kind of symposium-type uh, videos that NASA had. And some of them were straight up on aeronautics, and they talked about uh, jet engine, uh, the materials, the construction how jet engines can fly apart, and how NASA has been involved in research to, to, to learn better what happens and how to safeguard against it, how to contain those, those events when they do happen. Um, other things about flight profiles to get the uh, maximum uh, economy out of a flight, you know, to where they climb out, they stay at altitude and descend and try and, you know, minimize fuel cost and time and uh, complications. But there's, there's a lot of things... You know, we think about NASA with space, but they've got a big aeronautics uh, research and development that uh, that complements things that don't relate to astronauts, but certainly relate to everybody in the country that, that flies or depends on that part of commerce for their lives. Not to mention, Mark, the little, uh, little uh, uh, safety system that NASA is developing right now for, uh, for private pilots. There is a little parachute system just in case your engine goes out or something like that and your aircraft is in dire trouble. You can actually go ahead, hit a button, and a chute will pop out and hopefully go ahead and float your your single-engine Cessna or something like that right down to the ground. So, again, there are, there are, are a lot of uh, – there's a lot of stuff coming out uh, from uh, NASA in civil aviation. So that's something to, to really, really think about. Also, because on their website, though, hang on, let me say that there actually is a website on this letter writing campaign, and that is savespace.us. And on their site, with what we were talking about before, they put it the best way, how it isn't just a local issue. Because they say, to quote from the website's It Matters page, 
Uh, they say it's not just Kennedy Space Center workers who need to be concerned. If you sell food, cars, or houses, you should be concerned. If you are a teacher of Space Center workers' kids, you should be concerned. If you have a nonprofit agency raising money, you should be concerned. There isn't one segment of the community that won't be affected by the retirement of the shuttle program in 2010. And I thought that just worded it perfectly. Yeah, I agree with you, Sawyer. I mean, the impact, not just on KSC, but any any center that services the shuttle is going to be tremendous. I mean, I'm just thinking of the brain drain that's going to happen when, once, once these birds are retired. And uh, we can't lose that expertise because I'm sure it could be applied to the next generation of spacecraft. And it would be just uh, just absolutely criminal to go ahead and uh, and let these folks folks go. I mean, I'm th- I'm thinking about when when Apollo ended in Frank Pellegrino's book, Chariots for Apollo. Uh, he talks about the folks over at uh, over in Beth Page in Long Island. They were building moonships one day and then three, four days later, they were out there selling hot dogs. I mean, that's that is a heck of a way to go ahead and say thank you to people that, that have done extraordinary work on, on our behalf. So to me, it's just criminal. Definitely. And even President Obama believes that, believed at least, that we should. Because to quote something that he said back in his speech on August 2nd, 2008, back on his campaign trail when he was in Titusville, Florida, he said, quote, We have to secure our long-term prosperity and strengthen America's competitiveness in the 21st century. One of the areas where we are in danger of losing our competitive edge is our space program. We cannot cede our leadership in space. And that's correct, no matter what it is, even if it's not the shuttle. Whatever we do in the future, it's not just our leadership in space also. It's our leadership on the ground through our space program. Because our space program has given us so much on the ground that it's unbelievable. So if we give up our leadership in space... In a way, the United States is giving up its leadership on innovation and creation of things that are vital for the 21st century. Yeah, I, I can't, uh, I can't agree with you more on that one. And it's going to be interesting to see if uh, the White House is indeed going to follow through with um, with some of the Augustine recommendations. I will, I am most eager to find out what they're going to do. I haven't even heard a timetable about an announcement. I don't know if anybody else has. And uh, forgive me if I'm I'm you know in error, but uh, I haven't heard anything from the White House post uh, post uh, uh, HSF. Anybody? No, not yet. I've heard nothing. Cricket, cricket. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's. I mean, I realize there's a lot lot on the man's table and all that, but you know this is kind of important here. Um, a lot of jobs are in in the balance. Uh, not to mention you know the entire. Uh, uh, U.S. space industry is in the balance, and it would be nice to have that decision in the not-too-distant future about what we're going to do here. Well, this might actually be a good segue into something else, too. SafeSpace.us is not the only site out there that's that's doing something. Indeed, you are correct. There's a, another website out there that was actually born out of the STS-129 tweet-up. A gentleman by the name of Neil Weiser put this site together overnight almost. And the way it kind of sort of sprung up was, again, a- after his, his experiences at the event and uh, just sort of like, well, you know, how do I go ahead and keep this feeling of goodwill going? And um, he put together a interesting site called Save NASA. 
if um, somebody's got that URL handy, I'd appreciate Yes, the website for Save NASA is www.savenasa.ning.com. Thanks, Sawyer. The way that was born also was, uh, I believe, the afternoon that Atlantis launched uh, November 16th. There was a little trial balloon floated by, I don't know if it was the uh, Office of Management and Budget or somebody out there. Uh, that said, well, all the 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 uh, agent, the discretionary agent fund agencies, aka NASA and, and a group of others. What would you guys say to a 1.87, you know, 1.87 billion dollar hit in your budget next year? And of course, everybody on Twitter went nuts when they heard that. I mean, it was about three o'clock in the morning, and we were still talking about it. It got under fire by by a couple of folks saying that you know well you know why are you tweeting barack obama barack obama doesn't read twitter anyway and firing stuff about uh, spinoffs isn't really going to help and all this and to wit i say well heck you know we know barack obama himself doesn't read twitter and he doesn't go ahead and use twitter at all but hey his communications apparatus sure as heck does and sure as heck monitors what's going on out there so if if they see a lot of activity going on that is pro space program i'm sure that's going to get their attention and eventually it's going to get back to uh president obama that enough people are interested in space and don't want to see their program deteriorate beyond to a point where it can't be saved anymore um, or turn into something that was once, you know, great and viable and now, you know, is, is, is useless. So, you know, there is an interest out there. I mean, and, and that's what I think, you know, uh, Neil is trying to harness out there. He's not only just trying to harness the folks that went to the tweet up, he's trying to harness anybody out there that's even got a passing interest in, in the space program just to see, you know, hey, let's get involved. Let's try to see if we can, you know, put the brakes on on the people trying to hack this program apart i agree with you completely who cares if obama doesn't read them somebody will the point will get out there so as long as you actually participate in it somehow because if you don't try to do anything this is going to go nowhere if you at least try it has a chance of going somewhere and maybe actually quote unquote saving nasa Exactly. I mean, Neil is, is really, really trying to trying very, very hard to get this thing off the ground. Also, I'm wondering, too, if anybody within NASA realizes that, you know, especially with with the way the STS-129 tweet up went, they've got about a good 100 people that really want to do something. It's just, you know, those 100 people are sort of waiting for marching orders or just trying to figure out what we, what can we do you know to really really help things out and i think neil and 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 you know savespace.us are just two outlets but i think you know nasa too is may have to may come to grips with the fact that hey they've got this this vast army here and how do we go ahead and leverage these people who are really interested in trying to get active and really really trying to to safeguard their space program i agree i mean those two sites are definitely a great starting point it's great to have something, and exactly, when you have that army of 100 people that are, a large number of them are probably listening right now even, saying, oh, maybe I can help, we are the standing army, we are awaiting orders, well, here are at least two orders, but there's definitely more ways, and you're right, NASA eventually will pick up on this, the president will eventually pick up on this, 
somebody will catch on and finally say to themselves, wait a minute, people actually care about us. People actually want us to do well. So why are we cutting the program and cutting their budget? So, Ex- I- I'm, Again, sorry, the, the, the people don't, don't seem to realize that the, the space program or, or NASA itself is an economic engine. This is basically the United States R&D department. And we don't under we don't fund this thing properly. <laughs> We're just going to be a, a third third rate nation. And I, I don't I, that that to me, you know, failure isn't an option there to to paraphrase one of my favorite movies. Well, actually, you know how you're saying that you got a hundred army strong waiting for marching orders. It's actually more, I think. Oh, I'm sure. And you know, I think these two websites are the marching orders. I think NASA, as a federal administration sitting under the vice president's office cannot really issue a set of marching orders. And I think it is going to have to come from the people like this um, caucus of Congress that has taken hold and um, are pushing forward an initiative and Neil Weiser's group. I think that's where it's going to come from. And regardless if President Obama reads Twitter or, you know, reads Florida today, I don't think at some point that the White House is going to be able to ignore any longer stacks and stacks of mail or incoming messages, however they're coming in, if it's actually letters by the pound or electronic messaging, at some point they're going to take notice and say, okay, you know, we're, we're, you know, we've got to listen to see what's going on here. And, um, you know, I, I know the White House has the Office of Technology and Science. I would think somebody there has to be focused on this and what the people think in terms of, you know, where NASA needs to go and what direction it needs to take. Yeah, there has to be somebody watching this. And, you know, again, Gina, I have to agree with you. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. And if we can be loud, you know, who knows? I mean, if people learn differently of how NASA affects them, one great thing is that NASA themselves have ways to try and get people to see how much it affects them, such as uh, NASA has something called NASA at Home and City version 2.0, which it's a flash site that basically it gives you a house and a city. You can go to specific buildings and specific parts of it, and as you go there, you will see different things and how space affects them. And then you can go to different websites that exactly tell you how it was created and what the impact is. And things like this, they're helpful so that way people of all ages can see it. And it's another thing. Just about everybody that I know of can write a letter, whether it be via computer or via the old-fashioned way of taking a pen and putting it on paper. And sending it out there, it can be done. People just have to do it. And if they will actually get out there and start doing it, then maybe, just maybe, we can convince some people here. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Sawyer. I mean, I, I couldn't have said it any better at, at this point. I mean, people have just got to go ahead and say, hey, this is my space program. It doesn't belong to the government. It belongs to me. Um how can I go ahead and make sure it can continue to accomplish its mission, continue to do great things, and continue to lead the world in, in uh, aviation and in, uh, and in space research? I'm just looking up right now the Office of Science and Technology, and the director is a gentleman by the name of Dr. John Holdren. And he is trained in aeronautics, astronautics, and plasma physics. And he got a bachelor's degree in from MIT in 1965. I gotta think this guy is a fan of NASA. I would hope. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully, maybe he's the ear that all of this is funneling through and going to President Obama. 
hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully too here. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if you know, I, I can't say whether he mm. is or isn't pro, you know, pro NASA or not. But I would imagine he is. And who knows? Maybe this is the individual that a lot of this stuff is getting to. Just a thought here. Uh, let's let's say we find some of the key people that are that are helpful to contact to, to further the the cause of saving NASA. Kind of the reverse of that is going to be getting the word out to as many people as possible that these key people are the ones to contact with what they how they feel and what they think should be done. And um, something that I've just started to realize a little bit is how great the impact of social media today and uh, one of the things I want to look into is how to utilize that because I, I have a feeling that the farther you can spread your thoughts and 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 your uh, energy on this that it'll go even further with with other people picking up so I want to look into that that's very interesting Mark because I think that's exactly what Neil Weiser does he's actually studying social media and how it uh, how it impacts certain things, and and part of that is you know is is you know how these groups go ahead and respond to uh, to different challenges, and one of the challenges in this case is is trying to make sure that uh, uh, our space program continues to thrive rather than than to wither away, and uh, Neil has just fired all of his, his guns at, in in that particular direction with uh, with his website. And I so, think you brought up a really good point there is that. When you say it's our space program, honestly, at times I think NASA should rename themselves either MASA or TASA <laughs> for my Aeronautics and Space Administration or the, you know, for everybody, for all the people. I probably should have said YASA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your Aeronautics and Space Administration, because honestly, that's the thing. It's ours to take care of. It's great that we have these politicians and everything, but... Just like Mark said, even if we do it via our social media networking, our Facebooks, our Twitters, all those. Does anybody even use MySpace anymore? I'll put that out there anyway. Our MySpace pages. <laughs> By this way, we're getting the word out about our program. And whether it be that way, or if the tree huggers, instead of hugging a tree, they hug somebody with space tweepiness. No matter how they do it, if they get the word out, that's what's important. Yeah, exactly, Sawyer. I mean, uh, one of the observations, you know, just just an observation, Keith Cowling on his site, NASA Watch, his preamble is, you know, it's your space program, you know, take it back, make it work for you. And that's that's essentially what we're what we're saying here, trying to go ahead and it, it's it is indeed everybody's program in, in this country. I mean, it's a national treasure and should be looked at as such, because if we don't look after it and take care of it, we're going to lose it, boys and girls. And we may be on the verge of doing that if something isn't done like now. I couldn't have said that any better the way he has it quoted in his preamble. Yeah, agreed. I mean, that that, that just says it all right there, I think. Also along those lines, recently I just saw um, that there was a song that was actually created by a Twitter user by the name of Craft Lass, at C-R-A-F-T-L-A-S-S, and she actually wrote and recorded a song called Bake Sale for NASA. And I would say that some of the lyrics in that song, you really have to listen to it. It's really well done. And just the way it's worded, it just expresses everything that we've been saying, except in maybe another way for people to learn it. Some people are visual learners. Some people are good at listening. And some people, like myself even, learn things better through music. 
And this definitely gets it out there in a catchy way that if people listen to it, it'll catch on because it's a great song and the message that it's putting out there is great on its own. It's just saying, let's have a bake sale for NASA kind of in a way. Let's get the program back on track of where it was. Yeah, I got a little bit of a sneak preview of that um, that song before it was put out on Amazon. Uh, for those of you who really want to go ahead and, and look for it, it is uh, right now on Amazon.com. So if you just uh, go to their MP3 download center and just type in Bake Sale for NASA, it'll show up. But yeah, I mean, that was that was just an incredible way of uh, of getting getting the message out. And uh, I would like to have the author of that song on here, possibly uh, in the not too distant future. So I'll be reaching out to her and trying to see if she wants to come on and, and talk about the song and talk about the lyrics and all that. And uh, just to give some kudos too to the person who designed the uh, the album cover, if you Eat will. Me to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, our very own um, Jen Shear or uh, Flying Jenny on Twitter. If anybody follows follows her, she was the one that went ahead and designed the uh, the album cover for that. So I, I and I thought she did she did a pretty good job on that, on that as well. But yeah, again, I, I definitely want to get. Uh, we'll we'll just call right for now. Craft Lass on here uh, on Twitter. Um, on here to go ahead and and uh, and talk about the lyrics and and what they all meant and how she came about writing the song. Which, but by the that, way, if anybody out there, the listeners are not followers of either of those people, they're at Craft Lass and at Flying Jenny. They are two great tweets that honestly, I'm stunned at how they get such amazing tweets out there. Yeah, both of you know, both are are you know, uh, Jen was the one who actually created the Space Tweep Society, and, and again, another outlet to try to go ahead and get the word out. Uh, there you go. Exactly, and Craftlass uh, is is just a, a I mean, she, she the the song was incredible. She's she's got an incredible voice, but she's also got some something to say with it, and uh, hope. Uh, people will go out there and download and listen to it and uh, and and really really listen to it. Which, by the way, that reminds me even of in regards to that. On the other night, I got to see the space shuttle Atlantis and the International Space Station fly overhead, and almost like what we were talking about before. Any way we can get the word out there, one is looking up because so many people. When I mentioned it, this was on Thanksgiving, and so many people where I was at, they were like, "You can see them." Like, yeah, come on outside. So I took them outside, and just at the break in the clouds, there was actually, you know, you could see the two dots going across the sky. And everybody, they were like, wow. And some of them were old, some of them were young, and they all had the same interest in it because they were like, is that really up there with people on it? And I was even astounded, having seen just the International Space Station before in the two docked. I mean, I wrote about it on the Space Tweep Society website. If you check it out, spacetweepsociety.org, it sums it up best. But just getting people out there and looking up is another way of spreading how important our space program is. Because you see what's up there? You see what might be up there? You want to know what's up there? That's NASA. Yeah, so I did the same thing um, over over at my my house. I had uh, my sister out there, my two ne- my two nephews, uh, both ten years old and seven years old, and uh, the 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 little kids were just absolutely amazed. And I was actually amazed too, looking at at one of the dots, knowing that that was Atlantis, and knowing that you know, shoot, I was there just a couple of weeks ago watching that that thing go up, and uh, it it just basically. I got a little choked up. I'll be honest with you. That was just just really really cool to see. 
but uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we another thing too. I remember uh, back when Mir was up there and we weren't doing very much. Um, there was a, I think National Space Society had something called Mir Watch, where they were actually hosting Mir Watch parties, where you get a little party together and and talk space, and then all of a sudden go outside and and watch Mir go by. And questions arose like, well, where's our station? You know, stuff like that. But maybe if uh, folks got together and, and threw ISS viewing parties or something like that, maybe that'll that'll also promote the program a little bit. I want to throw in a tidbit. Uh, I saw it the same night as, as, as uh, Sawyer, you and Gina referring to. And the thing that struck me was that, okay, there's the ISS. There's the shuttle. I know the shuttle astronauts are in a sleep period. And I thought about the shuttle going overhead, everybody's asleep, and I'm standing down here watching. And that that whole thing just kind of struck me almost in a sci-fi way and made me feel like I was seven years old and and about to about to jump off the planet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I agree with you, Mark. It was just one of those those moments that uh, makes the uh, the hair on the back of your neck sort of stand up and go wow i mean just knowing that those two little dots represent two magnificent spacecraft with human beings in them it, it's it's just one of those you know you got to pinch yourself type moments not only that but that there are just people on board but there you are standing on earth just not moving at all moving zero miles an hour yourself and those two craft are both moving they're trailing each other but yet still moving at 17,500 miles an hour to the equivalent of five miles a second. Exactly. Yeah, that's and pretty crazy. Yeah, that is just just fathom that for a minute, and, and that that's that's just something really cool to think about. I can't even move five miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'll, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say on that note, we maybe should end this. Yeah, that's probably a good idea there. So before we get any crazier here. Exactly. We're already starting to lose our minds. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get myself composed so we can wrap this up. <laughs> Got him, yes! Alrighty, so uh, on that silly note, I'd say not silly enough, but we're not Monty Python referencing here. So on that, though, I will say that was a great episode, guys. And once again, thank you, everybody, for joining us out there and with us. If anybody has any comments on anything tonight anything at all, I just like saying anything apparently, then you can send it to us in a couple of ways. You can either send it to our email address, which is spacetweeppodcast at gmail.com. That's S-P-A-C-E-T-W-E-E-P podcast at gmail.com. Or you can also send it now as a direct message or a mention to us at our Twitter account. And our Twitter account is at TalkingSpace where you can also get updates on who's going to be on our episodes as special guests and when the next one will be released. So with that, I say we are just about finished here. But first, I must thank everybody that joined us. So, Gene, thank you very much. Thank you, Sawyer. It's been, uh, this has been one heck of a ride tonight. Gina, thank you as well. Oh, thanks, Sawyer. And Mark, thank you as well. It's a pleasure. No shortage of things to talk about. We could go on and on and on, I think, sometimes. Amen to that. I'll agree, but if we kept going on, we would have nothing to talk about next week. <laughs> All right, and once again, thank you for listening and downloading us from our website and iTunes. 
And we hope you enjoyed this episode and have a great day, night, evening, or whatever it may be where you are. Thank you.